Stories from your community. This is the 519 Podcast, part of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network. These days, it's not a huge surprise to read headlines like these. Referee dies of internal bleeding after being attacked by players and fans following a red card. That happened in the UK. New Jersey youth baseball umpire violently attacked by coach needed surgery for broken jaw. Youth basketball player punches ref after losing game in upstate New York. And eventually, it leads to headlines like these. Umpire shortage being felt on the ball field of Simcoe County. Pandemic leaves Manitoba Soccer Association with referee shortage. And a referee crisis for Canadian soccer shortage leaves leagues scrambling. That's from The Athletic. Sports leagues across the country, including here in the 519, are dealing with shortages of officials, whether they're hockey and soccer referees or baseball umpires. Is it just another pandemic-related labor shortage, or is there something more to it? Is verbal abuse from coaches, players, and parents driving people away from youth sports officiating? On this episode of the 519 Podcast, we talked to Nikki Pearson, the Senior Manager of Match Officials Development for Ontario Soccer, Gavin Mifflin, the President and Umpire Chief for the London St. Thomas District Umpires Association, Matt Biederman, the President of the North London Hockey Association, as well as two 15-year-olds who umpire girls' house league softball in London. Here's your host, Haley Chang. When you think back to how you were at 16 and you're starting your first ever job, you can likely already feel the anxieties and nerves of that first day. Those feelings rarely even stop after that day. They ride into the first week, sometimes even the first month. You're young and you're unsure of yourself. You wonder if that one small mistake you made is going to have you back on the street handing out resumes. But it never does. When you're young and inexperienced, you often get treated with a certain level of patience and understanding. Sure, there's always that odd bad customer, but that's not the norm. Until you step onto a soccer field or a hockey rink or a baseball diamond. That's where too many of us become that bad customer. And for some reason, society tends to accept that. We're in the middle of an Ontario officiating crisis where there's a shortage of referees for every single youth and amateur sport. Worse yet, it appears to be a crisis of our own making. The mistreatment towards referees and umpires have been around forever, and it's been treated as if it's part of the game. But you've got to ask yourself, when a 16-year-old referee hears, I was outside! What are you, stupid? And it becomes the nicest critique they hear during that game. Should we really be so lenient on officiating harassment, especially when it's causing them to quit refing the sport they love and has sports leagues struggling to fill their places? We may not see it now, but a continued referee and umpire shortage is going to affect the games our kids play. It's a simple equation. If there are no referees or umpires, there are no hockey, soccer, or baseball games. So let's take a look at the problem and consider ways we can all be better. This is Nikki Pearson on the state of Ontario soccer. So in a typical year, there's 170,000 games in this province that occur within our leagues. These don't include uh, playoffs, tournaments, festivals, our Ontario Cup program, or our Ontario Player Development program. So if you look at those numbers, typically those officials, there's probably three per game on average. Right now, if we didn't cover every game and we gave three per game to certain games and none to others, potentially there could be 90,000 games cancelled for the season. So what we've done is we've come up with a a process which is called the one plus one system. Uh, It's not scientifically tested, but what it is, it's a case of we don't want any official out there on their own 
and we don't want any game cancelled. So we have a fourth official that stands between the, the two technical areas or the two benches at a game and then the referee in the middle. So now there's no assistant referees helping call off sides. So this is now affecting the player development, the player experience, the fan experience and the officiating experience right across the board. With a lot of officials not returning after the pandemic, it's more important now than ever to recruit and retain the refs that are already in the system. We had 2,000 brand new officials come through the system this year. We need to keep them. We need to not lose 42% of them. So it's, it's a community now. If the parents are good and the coaches are good and the club is often in development and support and the mentors are available and the programs are there, they're going to come back. Typically, our retention rates are only 58%. We need to get those up. If we stay at 58%, we're going to be in the same boat in four years. If we can increase those retention rates to 75%, we'll be pre-COVID numbers in four years. But it's going to take three to four years. Unfortunately, the shortage is not only taking place in soccer, but also in other beloved Canadian sports like baseball, softball and hockey. Gavin Mifflin, head of the London, St. Thomas and District Umpire Association, explains why his association has a hard time retaining umpires. I've been in the game for, you know, almost 40 years. And it's it's something where we're not seeing young people who want to be involved in umpiring because that's not the lifestyle that our young people lead anymore. They don't want to go to a baseball diamond for oftentimes four or five games in a row when we're talking slow pitch. Our slow pitch umpires will go to the baseball diamond and they'll work four or five games in a row for, you know, and they're there for five hours, six hours. There are a few reasons why there's been a referee and umpire shortage over the last few years. The pandemic played a part in this and all the health concerns that came with it. Officiating injuries are also a lot more common now with the extra workload. These are all minor reasons that contribute to the officiating crisis. But the biggest and most concerning one is the amount of harassment and verbal abuse refs and umps are taking on a day-to-day basis. From spectators, players, parents, and coaches. This is Matt Biederman on what he's seen on the ice. When you're involved with hockey, it seems like it brings out the best, but it also can bring out the worst in people. Unfortunately, when it comes to games, um, the targets of those, lots of those issues are, are officials. And we've seen it more and more, the, the number of instances of harassment and abuse and just overall uh, negativity towards our officials has been growing at a rapid rapid pace and could be for uh, numerous reasons. But really, you know, their targets, unfortunately, out there, they're making calls and they're, they try to do their best during the games, but the the parents and the coaches and players are still uh, unduly targeting them for, you know, for their ire, I guess. I think people have blinders on. I think blind people see referees and they see targets. And people don't think about that they're brand new to the sport. It could be refereeing. It could be baseball umpiring. could be anything. I think they just see I mean, what they see as an injustice to their player, to their team, to their child. And they just react. And they don't think about all the things that led up to that person taking that role, why they're doing that role, the experience of that role. And it's not as if people are unaware that it's going on. Recently, the executive of the London Men's Baseball League, which is a recreational baseball league for men 30 and older, sent an email to each of its players about how umpires were being treated. 
After seven weeks of play, our league has had five player ejections or suspensions. We've had three umpires quit umpiring our games and several more begrudgingly doing our games because of severe shortage in umpires. We've had to cancel a game due to umpire shortages, not a rainout, not a lack of diamond time, lack of umpires for our league. We are shooting ourselves in the foot. Unless this stops, we could jeopardize the future of our league simply due to insufficient game officials. Guys don't want to deal with us for two plus hours for $50. It's simply not worth it. What comes to mind is the term pangry, a new phenomenon that defines pandemic anger. It's been a frustrating few years, and perhaps that is what's coming out on the fields and arenas. Whether pangry is the cause or not, the officiating abuse has been notably bad this year. This year, for some reason, we've had U10 games abandoned, under 10. The official has abandoned the game because things have got too volatile. We've had a U8 game <laughs> abandoned. And I look at that and I think there's no scores, there's no standings. It's all about those kids being in an environment of socialization, which they haven't had for two years, of learning, right? Of being physical, having fun, being with their friends. And yet the game has to be abandoned because of the behavior on the touchlines. It's blown me away this year. I'm absolutely gobsmacked by some of the things that are coming across my desk. It is this mistreatment that brings us back to the difficulties in recruiting and retaining. For some, it's just not worth the struggles anymore. I think part of what keeps the younger umpires away, um, or if we can recruit some of the younger umpires and then they don't end up staying, is nobody likes to be told that they're wrong. Nobody likes to be belittled. No one likes to be yelled at. Unfortunately, in sports, we know that sometimes it gets heated, it gets very excited, and we're all excited to be there. And in the heat of the moment, we don't have the ability to call to New York City and say, was he out or safe or was she out or safe? Mm -hmm. we, don't have the, we don't have the joys of replay. We are there and we make the best judgment call that we can based on the experience, one, that we have, two, based on the training that we have. Well, nobody wants to go to the baseball diamond and get yelled at for two hours. And unfortunately, you know, in some games, that does happen. We try and do our best as an association. I, I try and be very proactive as the, as the president and the umpire in chief to make sure that it's not happening in our association. To get a first-hand feel for what this looks like on the diamond, we talked to Bridget and Sawyer, two 15-year-olds who umpire house league girls softball in London. Well, uh, I remember one time I was, uh, I was umpiring for um, one game. It wasn't, it wasn't a championship game, but it was getting pretty close. And um, I, wasn't, I wasn't calling leadoffs. And uh, one coach just, you know, usually you're supposed to, if you have a problem, you have a question, concern, you call the umpire over in between half innings. This coach decided not to do that and decided to yell at me. Um, you know, obviously this is kind of like my first time ever really being like, I've, you know, I've dealt with complaining, but I've never really dealt with someone yelling, right? Especially, you know, during, during a game. Um, but, you know, I just kind of stay silent because you're just like, I've never dealt with this before. I don't know what to do, but thankfully the... Uh, the plate umpire covered for me. You know, I just, I kind of froze, you know? You think, you know, as teenagers, you're, you're told, you know, trust adults, right? They're mature, you, you know, they know best. But then, you know, 
it feels like as soon as, as some coaches, you know, some spectators step onto the step onto the diamond, you know, get in the stands, just you know, all of that is just completely lost. Yes, it happened to me many of times actually. I've umpired a competitive tournament, it's a London Lightning tournament, and I was on the bases and the Lightning coach didn't like what I saw and he um, told me that like she was leading off before the pitch was thrown and it's just kind of a shocking moment. You don't know what to do at times when you come up to you and you're just firm like what did I do wrong? But like you can't let that get to you, so you try to like I try to try to calm the coach down and make sure that say, hey, I'll look at it next time and make sure that like I call the game fair. Mm -hmm. So you're gonna run into people like that when you're umpiring, and and that money makes me like say, hey, I want to do this more because I'm getting paid, and it's just like one game, just and it's always that one moment, and just make sure like the money gets keeps me going at times, saying like sometimes I do get down on myself. You know, sometimes there definitely is that thought where it's just like, ugh, you know, I wish, I wish I could just walk off, walk off this diamond right now. But you know, it's, it's moments where a parent comes up to you after a game and said, you know, oh, you're doing a great job, keep it up. That really think, you know, this is worth it. People don't usually yell at the cashiers at the supermarket if they make a mistake. But for whatever reason, it's almost socially acceptable to yell at sports officiators. Where does this acceptance come from? I myself look at the the top leagues and see the way they treat the officials in the top leagues, in the premier leagues across the, across the world, not just across the country and the behavior. Every time a referee makes a call, they don't agree with the swarming, um, the behavior of the, of the technical staff and the commentators and announcers that maybe don't understand the laws of the game as clearly as they should. And I think that just adds fuel to that fire. I think it trickles downhill and we've seen it. We've seen kids in the stands, 12, 13 years old, screaming and yelling at the referee and their parents are egging them on to do it. It's almost that culture that starts at the top. We forgot that playing hockey was super fun and we missed it so much. And unfortunately with not just hockey, but you know, in, in this conversation is that we just quickly forgot that how grateful we were to be back just playing hockey with our friends, families, going to tournaments and all that sort of stuff and quickly got back to, in many cases, let's just win this thing and go back to our old somewhat jaded habits. In the Greater London Hockey Association, there are programs put in place to decrease the amount of verbal abuse towards referees. They've even gone as far as to make a mandatory process in order to participate in youth hockey. We have strict code of conducts that you have to follow. Um, when you sign up for to register your child into any Greater London Hockey, or, hockey Association organization, North London, for example, you have to complete a respect and sports program. And if that's not done, you can't register your child for that program. And we monitor that very closely. You cannot register without that being completed. Hockey Canada integrates that into the registration system. So that's one checkpoint. As well, there's other checkpoints uh, along the way. Coaches have to take different courses along the way to make sure that they're up to date on uh, treatments of players, of officiating, uh, of officials, excuse me. Um, even this past year, there was a new um, program that was put out by the Alliance there were these Zoom maltreatment sessions, this explicitly, excuse me, for all coaches and anybody associated with the team in any sort of supervisory role that deals with referees, deals with coaches, things like that. And the reason for that is because the escalation in the number of incidents of abuse towards officials. And that was a mandatory session for all head coaches. So there are checkpoints along the way and reminders. And as an organization um, president, we definitely put out communications. And when there's an incident, we re 
Uh, we report them and we deal with them as we as we have to in the proper manner. And we do whatever it takes to make sure that we nip it in the mud early and then also make sure that there isn't a second or a third offense. The preventative measures aren't always as successful as we'd like. There are always the few who take things a step too far. But they are a sign of recognition and respect towards officiators because without the refs, there are no games. We always forget the officials and they're really, really important part of our games. And we see that in hockey, we see that in baseball, I'm sure we see that in soccer as well too. And we went through a you know a crazy couple of years where hockey games were canceled, brought back and canceled and then just practices. And now we seem to be hopefully back for good again. Uh, but we can't forget like who's you know helping keep these games going. And if without the referees, we don't have games. We don't get to do those things that we love. We need them. So it's, uh, it's a really hard job to do. It's a fast game. It's a physical game. It's an emotional game, which is probably where most of the issues come from. And they're just people, men and women on the ice doing the best they can with whatever limited experience they have. They have to start from somewhere and it takes a lot of time. Going forward, whether it's hockey, soccer or baseball, really any sport applies. It's time to take a step back and understand the impacts of what's being said to referees and umpires. The officiating crisis is a problem of our own making. And it's the results of years of harassment. It comes at no surprise to anyone, and there's no time like the present to do something about it. I think I would say, you know, just imagine if, if your kid was on our position. You know, imagine your kid goes into umpiring and you see them getting yelled at by a parent or, or by a coach. You know, we're still learning too. You know, um, obviously umpires aren't perfect, right? We're going to make mistakes. You know, this is my first year. So obviously, you know, I'm going to... I'm going to not make the right call sometimes, but it's important to remember that, you know, to stay positive and, you know, treat, treat others how you want to be treated, right? How you want your kid to be treated. This episode of the 519 Podcast was hosted by Haley Cheng. It was written by Patrick Magermans and produced by Craig Needles. The 519 Podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network.